0: head to airbnb.com slash host. Don't hold anything too tightly. Just wish for it, want it, let it come from the intention of real truth for you, and then let it go.
1: For me, our soul is like, it's
0: unbound, it's limitless, but we, we use words to limit ourselves.
1: When people stop believing, That somebody's got your back or Superman's coming. We turn to ourselves, and that's where you become empowered.
0: Courageous participation attracts positive things. I'm Gwyneth Paltrow, and this is the Goop Podcast, where we bring together visionaries, scientists, healers, artists, and seekers. I'm so grateful that I get to interview these extraordinary thought leaders and share their wisdom with you. And I love listening to the conversations that are led by my co-host and dear friend, Cleo Wade. Cleo is a beautiful poet and author. I deeply admire her and the way she keeps her heart open to the world. Together, we believe that engaging in open-minded, honest, and sometimes difficult conversations has the power to change our lives. All right, over to Cleo.
1: Today's guest is author, interior designer, and my friend, Athena Calderon. You may know Athena as the internet's go-to resource for hosting and entertaining tips, where she shares her delicious recipes and sage advice on turning a house into a haven. Over the years, it's been such a pleasure to watch her vision come alive. I was so excited to talk to her today about how it all began, her journey through real estate and how she turned her Brooklyn townhouse into her greatest canvas as an artist and designer. In our chat, we talked about taking risks, doing what feels right, listening to ourselves, and how no matter how much success you may feel, there is still often a battle with imposter syndrome. We talked about the journey of her brand, the early Tumblr days of her lifestyle website, icewoon and why transparency is crucial to her work and the industry that she finds herself in. And of course, Athena gave us her best tips for infusing more feeling into our homes. Okay, let's get to my conversation with Athena Calderon. I'm so excited to have you on this pod specifically because something that was really important to me when I decided to do the podcast is that I really wanted to share a lot of my friends' stories because I feel that my friends are my guiding principles. They're the backbone of how I make decisions. They're my greatest inspirations. I feel like even before you were this, you know, kind of idol in the this interior design community, I feel like I would text you or ask you this question. I would even remember I soon on Tumblr, um, which oh, yeah. truly feels like a million trillion years ago. And so um, that's how it started. One thing I was writing about in my new book was this idea of, you know, when I was pregnant with Bayou, somebody, I was talking to this kind of spiritual woman and she said that her birth would be my rebirth. And it was Mm -hmm. really interesting because I'd, of course, always considered the concept of reincarnation, this idea that we are, you know, you meet people and you're like, oh, we must've known each other in a past something or this kind of, kind of renewed, reoccurring energy where people find each other or you feel certain things. But I never really thought about having multiple rebirths. And I never considered that concept reoccurring. You know, I, I've, you know, we all know the like, whether it's midlife crisis, what people want to call it, or this idea of, you know, being a late bloomer, I've, I've heard my friends call themselves that or, you know, getting a second wind or having a second act, but the idea of rebirth was so profound to me because I've witnessed that in myself and in so many of my friends and especially you. And I feel like I remember when you closed on your house in Brooklyn that you've now famously just sold and congratulations on your New York times article. It was amazing. Thank you. And I remember feeling like when it was happening, talking to you, and it was like talking to someone who was pregnant with their first child or something, and you're like, I'm really freaked out. It's a lot. I'm not sure how it's going to go. And I want to talk about the many things that I think have kind of defined a rebirth or ignited a rebirth for you, but I want to start with the Brooklyn townhouse.
2: I want to back up for one moment and just say, I'm honored to have this conversation with you. It's incredible to like speak face-to-face with a friend, of course, about this rebirth and I love this idea of reframing whether it be kind of a struggle or a shift or a change or a crisis or whatever it might be as a rebirth. Like that's genius. Like right there, that's genius. Cause I think I'm going through a rebirth right now yet again. So I, I really like this idea of framing it a little bit in a more positive light, but the Brooklyn townhouse. So I guess to back up a little bit even further, I feel like the home is kind of, it's, it's my sweet spot. It's where I feel most myself. It's where I express myself. It's where I self-educate. It's where I have gone through many rebirths because I have, I found myself as a young mom at home more so than most people that were in their 20s. And I really found this safe haven for me to explore myself. So home has always been really important for both the culinary side and the design side of my work and my world and my creativity. And it wasn't even work. It was really just self-expression for so long. And the Brooklyn townhouse was probably like the the sixth or seventh home that I had designed. And along the way, each of the homes prior were, you know, from a, a, a new canvas for me. But this was my greatest and largest and most consuming, but also most challenging, but also most inspiring canvas for me to explore.
1: The reason I, because I remember your other homes too, and the- You blew my mind
2: actually, when we spoke just a few months ago that you like remembered the the Brooklyn penthouse that I yeah. lived in that like nobody really knew about and
1: that, yeah. <laughs> I remember that. I remember when you were moving and I think, you know, something I read, the reason I really call out the Brooklyn townhouse is because a it was such a big gamble for you, and the reason I'm really so happy to talk is because I think this is an artist talking about her canvas, really betting on yourself and relying on your own grit and 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 really creating what you believe to be, and and turns out to be your masterpiece. But you're also for me, I feel that you're a teacher. Your your greatest purpose and calling is to teach. And I remember it's so funny. I have the the most vivid memory of talking to you about this even before you kind of fully went on the journey of really making sure you had all of this transparency with how you spoke about what you did or what was the hack or what was the paint color. Because in your industry, it can be incredibly snobby and, and rude. You kind of feel like pretty woman in the scene where they won't help you in the shop. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I think for you what I really love about you is that you are a when you sit down at the dinner party the nicest person in the room and you really transferred that to the online space where you were like first of all you're going to feel welcome and you're going to feel like no matter what budget you're doing it in like the aesthetic is attainable. So whether you're getting the exact paint I used or the the version that is like in a completely different, you know, price zone but is going to be do the trick, you really offered that to people. And I, I really love that.
2: I mean, thank you. It means the world to me that we're we're going down this path and that you see me and you see that I really do like to share and open up my creative process. I think that like, part of the reason that I do that, I get so much joy from the sharing of my creative journey is because I've always felt a little a little bit like I have imposter syndrome, a little bit like I'm not doing it the right way, a little bit like I'm always so curious how other people are navigating their creativity. So I've always been this like voraciously curious person. I always want to understand if I'm sitting with a music producer, I'm like, oh wait, what came first? The melody or the harmony or the, Mm -hmm. the, the lyrics? Like I love to like dissect and understand the creative process because I was trying to find my space within my own creativity. And I was having a hard time finding it. So I was constantly asking and curious and seeking. And I'm still that way today. I'm still always wanting to learn more, know more, grow more, expand more, ask more questions, and then internalize it and push it back out into the world. So I think that there's a part of me that. It's always so curious and maybe that stems from insecurity, but maybe it's just curiosity. Like, I don't know what it is, but it is something that is like so deeply rooted within me that I just like, I want to know more and I light up when I know more. And it it could also come from like not feeling like I'm educated enough or that. I, you know, have a degree in interior design. And I think that like, there's just a part of me that like when I find that design magic and that joy within my own journey, I want to sing it to the world and help them access whatever they are trying to find and couldn't find. It's funny because I'm at this point of inflection right now with my business and people keep asking me like, okay, you know, you have all these advisors telling you like where you should go and what you should do next. Like what, what is it exactly that you love? And when I really dig deep, it is the sharing It's, it's the creating, it really is like creating a beautiful space, creating a beautiful meal, setting a beautiful table that brings me an unbelievable amount of joy, like the creation of it. But it's also the distilling of like, because a lot of interior designers, they can't really describe their process. You know what I mean? And they don't
1: want to. And, and I get that it's, you know, I think around works of beauty, and I don't know if this is because it maybe was necessary in order to value beauty but there has always been this kind of mystery around it and it's yes. really interesting for you to be able to the, maintain the value of what you work on and do and still and and kind of dissolve the mystery and say like the the mystery is actually in how you live in this space not how you created the space you know so our nobody... lives get to be the mystery
2: yeah And also nobody's going, if I share with you exactly my process of how I make a meal or design a room, if I give you every little detail of like, why, you know, these three pieces work in a vignette together, like nobody's going to do it exactly the same way. So like, I don't like to hoard information. I think that like, it just feels icky. Like I want to share, but you know, when I wrote, when I wrote my second book, live beautiful, I remember a part of like the concept of the book, because like my publisher wanted like a how to book, I wanted a coffee table book. Yeah. And I was like, well, how can I smash those two things together? Like, I will capture these like exceptionally beautiful, maybe to some people unattainable homes. But what I will do is after I sit with the photography and have it all pinned up on the wall, I'll just sit there and I'll look at that photo and be like, what's working here? Even mm-hmm. if it's not a design, I did like, yeah. I love to kind of like dive in and and figure out like the puzzle, the alchemy, the design language of what's working and and then share it and distill it into like, so then somebody else can be like, oh, I don't have those exact things. I can't afford those exact things. But now I understand the principles at play of how I can perhaps create something similar. And that to me is so incredible. Like that is just like making beautiful design accessible to everyone. We all deserve to love our home. And not everybody does have the opportunity to love their home. And mm-hmm. if like, there's even just like the tiniest little bit of joy that could be found in somebody, you know, restyling their shelves or creating a meal or, you know, even getting takeout, but like displaying it in a beautiful way that can yeah. like bring them joy in their home. Like, I don't know, home, home just means so much to me. And, you know, and going back to what you were saying, just like about that, the Brooklyn house and like the grit that took me there, you know, our first, not to like go into a real estate like tangent or anything, but like our first Brooklyn home that we ever bought, like we couldn't afford it. We like borrowed money from like a bunch of different friends to like make it happen. I think that being like gritty and being resourceful is like a little bit the way like Victor and I have built our homes and our lives. And just like we did bet on ourselves and we poured everything into that house. And mind you, I was writing my cookbook at the time. So I was like designing that house. We were really stretched quite thin, very thin financially, writing a book, designing a house, like knowing the house was going to be published in Architectural Digest was like this added pressure that, like, it fueled me in an amazing way. But yeah. I also used that home to, like, continue to self educate and learn and grow. And, like, I wasn't able, to, it's funny because I wasn't able to, yeah, host. But I wasn't able to share the home because it was going to be published. So the whole way I started, I have this series um, on my Instagram called I swim Unplugged.
0: Mm-hmm. And it really
2: was this series because my cookbook came out and so many people I felt like thought that maybe a lot of the recipes, because they were photographed so beautifully, it, it, it won a James Beard award for photography. Like it was nice definitely job. like the most beautiful photography, but like sometimes when things feel too elevated and too precious and too beautiful, it cannot give people access to it, right? Yeah. So I was in this beautiful kitchen in my new townhouse that I was so proud to have designed. It was like my masterpiece, but I wasn't allowed to show any of it. So I was like, huh okay, well, I just had this cookbook came out. I can tell people are feeling intimidated by the recipes. Like, I'm just going to take my phone really low-fi, stick it on the shelf. Like ever, so many people are like, I don't understand. Like who's shooting this for you? What, you know, pie you I using? definitely like, was one of the people, people
1: that were like, who's doing this
2: for you. This is amazing. <laughs> it was literally just me and my iPhone me getting, like, a little boozy as I'm actually, like, cooking my own recipes. Like, nothing was, like, thought out. Nothing was, like, prescribed. My son would, like, walk through the door home from school, like, chit chat with me, would, you know, see me drinking my wine. But, like, you would just see my hands, and I would talk through the recipe I was making. And, like, the amount of people that would be, like, I didn't know how to crush garlic the right way. I didn't know how to cut an onion the right way. Like, sometimes, like, I just want to, like, break down the barriers and pull back the curtain of like how simple, certain beautiful and delicious things can actually be. Because even I get overwhelmed sometimes like, Oh my God, it's been a long day. I haven't gone to the market yet. Let me just order in. But like, there are certain recipes that like, you need five things. You just need one pan and they're delicious and like sustaining your family and gathering around the table. Like it's just a beautiful meal. And, it it can just change your family dynamic. That to me, that like really back to basics, like just showing people and teaching and distilling, like how to create the recipes in my book was something that, it was like the first moment in that house that really let me lean into that, like to your point, like education or teacherly way. And then the second phase of that was during COVID when like, it was just intuitively, it was like, oh, people are just like sitting at home And they cannot be outdoors. And like, let me just like go through a series where I take all the elements in my home that I already own, the things that have a soul, the things that speak to me, that things that trigger memories of whether it's my family or travel. Let me just pull them all and just create these videos and talk through like why I'm Pairing certain things together and why certain vignettes work together, and why it's always better to like pair things in threes, and why I want to create verticality on one shelf but keep everything kind of like low and sculptural on another. And it just like people had so much appreciation for it. And so that was like another way that I began to kind of like lean into this distilling my creative process.
0: Let's take a quick break to talk about one of our partners. Head to airbnb.com slash host. Okay, let's get back to the conversation. So,
1: something that really stuck out to me as you were speaking is you have obviously taken so many risks, you know, even in how you bought real estate or, or this idea of betting on yourself. How do you assess the risk of saying, like, this is what I know to be enough? And so, you think about real estate, is there like a mentality that you, can share. Do you have a mantra around risk? What would be your kind of most practical mental tips for taking the risk for buying the house, doing the thing, trying the new business? Yeah. Well,
2: I'll say this anytime I take a risk whether it's buying a new home or even whether it's, you know, I'll I'll just say like when I first started doing those videos, those eyes unplugged videos, I'd never really like spoken to camera before. And like, to me, that's a risk too. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, at first I was really nervous about it, but like, I guess like whether it's real estate or whether it's just something that you've never done before that you're really scared to do. I will say that I'm always scared whenever I buy a new piece of real estate or whenever I'm trying something new or leaning into even writing a cookbook, I'd never done that before. Like you're always going to be scared. You're always going to have that voice. Sometimes it's going to convince you that you're not good enough, or it's not the right choice. Or, you know, is there something better out there for me to buy? And I don't exactly know what it is about me that like allows me to push through it. But I think that there's like, there's something that if you do the work, if you are prepared, if you research the neighborhood for the real estate, you know, like if you are voraciously like just diving into the areas that you can invest in, like, is there room for growth? Is there some value that you can add? Like, if you do the work there, or if you do the work in preparing, you know, for speaking on camera or doing something new in your business, like, you're always going to be scared if you're not scared, like you're not alive. <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah. So yeah. I, I think that like, you have to take a leap of faith because like remaining complacent is something that I know I never want to be in. Like, I always want to expand. I always want to grow. I always want to learn. I'm also the person, like, if I'm like, if I upset a friend or my husband or my child, like I want them to like, tell me like make me better like i i think that like if you have this way about you of just like knowing that you're going to have to sit in the uncomfortable like feelings of taking that risk it's better than not taking that risk at all and i think i set goals sometimes like yearly that might seem unrealistic but i just kind of plow through the uncertainty and the fears but to get like a little bit more practical when it has to do with like real estate, I think that, you know, if you can't afford to do the renovation, but you are like in your gut love of a space or a home, sit in it unrenovated for a while, throw some white paint. And like, like I, I am such a person of patience as far as like, if you can't afford to do what you really want to do, but you can like. Start to like build the crumbs that will get that cake fully baked. Like take the crumb and like just sit on that crumb for a little while until you can, you know, get to that next step, get closer. Even when I was designing the Brooklyn townhouse, like there was so much that like sat undone for a really long time because I hadn't found the inspiration or I couldn't afford the, the light fixture or, you know, like everything doesn't have to be done all at once and perfect all at once. So like, allow yourself the journey, like, because if you did it all at once and it was perfect immediately, like you probably wouldn't enjoy the process as much. And it's like funny that I'm so curious about other people's process, but in a way I also allow myself to get uncomfortable and gritty in my own process. And I think that that makes you appreciate it that much more. So like, if you can't afford the renovation or maybe you can only afford an inkling of the renovation, like
1: it's okay. I feel like that is such incredible advice, especially in this era of like the internet. Cause I think that even in home spaces or something else, it's not, it's it's kind of like anyone's success is everyone thinks it's like overnight success. And I think that especially with home stuff, it's like, we bought it. And then I think even in these kind of this video universe we live in of like, month three in our house. And it looks like everything comes together at the pace of like a reality show. <laughs> Do you feel that the, cause, cause I swoon has undergone a massive transformation over the years also. I mean, it's gone from a tumbler into, I'd say kind of this expression of how to, to now the how to plus the shop, which I love and bought a cutting board on the other day. And it's really cool to buy things from you because when I bought it, the person who made it like sent me a note with it. And I was like, I feel like only someone that Athena would recommend (laughs) would like notice that it was you buying it. And then they're just like, I really like your poetry or something. And I was like, that is so, that's so sweet. But I feel that you, you not only curate items that are obviously very beautiful, but they are usually so thoughtfully and locally sourced and supporting these young businesses or female entrepreneurs in a way where it really does feel like that kind of old school thoughtful mom and popness mm. in your customer experience, which, you know, while on the one hand, with Amazon world of like everything comes the next day, we've gotten kind of spoiled, but there is something to like the sweetness of waiting. And then it comes to you and it comes with a note and it comes with how to kind of maintain it and clean it and and all of these things that I think we kind of lose in this and our commerce getting a little soulless in its in its speed. And yeah. so do you feel the site has kind of evolved as you've evolved? Do you think you, you pulled it along? Did it grow and pull you along? You know, was it all of a sudden like, oh, oh so many people want to buy stuff. And so that like, the, this demand is coming and I'm going to like, kind of rise to the occasion of the demand. Did you have a vision for it and then feed the vision onto the Yeah. Site? I mean, I'll say that not only have my homes been my greatest teacher, but I
2: constantly say that twin has been my greatest teacher, because it was like, it was born out of like, you know, I was in like a kind of, I won't say depressed, but I was in a kind of like diminished place of like, who am I? What am I meant to offer this world? I have this beautiful family, this beautiful home, this beautiful husband, but like, I didn't, I hadn't tapped into like what I was meant to offer the world yet as a creative. And I soon became this place that I was able to explore myself in the home and share and it has refined my eye, it has taught me how to be a designer, it has taught me how to be a writer, it has taught me how to be a stylist. And I never knew that it was going to turn into like an e-commerce platform and a marketplace. But I do know that curation is something that I love. Like, I love the joy of finding beautiful makers. And, you know, I love community. I mean, ISUN offered me, first and foremost, before a career, community, connectivity, a place for me to like find like-minded people alongside myself. And that's really when it really grew into what it is today. Is like, because I found my people. I'll never forget. Like I have a manager now and she had said to me, like, what is it that you love the most about Isoon?" When I was going through another rebirth where I was yeah. like questioning all of it. Yeah. And I remember I had just come home from creating and and cooking with one of my favorite chefs, Ignacio Matos. He had a cookbook coming out and I went into his restaurant Estela, and we cooked together and I got to ask him questions and you know just like i come alive when i get to understand how other people do it you know like how what sparks them sparks me and i just like dive into this like ping pong match of like creative conversation and it brings me so much joy and i never knew that about myself like mm. i never knew like how much i love to connect with people through a shared love of cooking or a shared love of design so That is like the soul and the joy of Isoon. So now that like I'm leaning into this e-commerce platform and, and finding these beautiful products. The one thing I want to be really mindful of is like making sure at my core, I still keep to the roots of Isoon, the storytelling. So like even any of the makers that I bring on the site and whether it's a ceramicist or a woodworker, you know, like I want to tell and share those stories and ask those questions because like, that's at the root of what I
1: soon is. What I so love about your story is when you're, when you're saying like, I never want to be complacent. And I always want to learn. And I always want to kind of be in, in, in motion spiritually, I'd say, actually, not even just I, I do what I love about you is you do find ways to meditate and relax and, and regenerate so that you can pour into your art. But I know that it came from a place of feeling stuck and lost, right? And feeling like, how do I turn this energy I have to create into something that, you know, can be in, in a forward motion with me. And so, and, and that's what I feel like I remember the most about kind of when you were really turning, I more from into a business and, a, and actually like from an idea into a world. Yeah. Well, I want to share right now to everyone listening
2: that I had a created I swoon, and I didn't really have career at all until I was in my mid thirties. Like, I think I was 33 or 34. So like, while it might, you know, look all polished and perfect, like there were, there were like my twenties and half of my thirties where I felt really lost and really, you know, my husband had this incredible career that like, I used to be his manager. Like we, we created everything that we, have together. And I felt very much a part of his career and his world, but it was his, it wasn't mine. And for years, I, you know, he would say to me like, Oh babe, what's the matter? Is something wrong Is something going on with us? And I'd be like, you don't know what it feels like to like, not know my place in this world creatively because I've always been a creative. So like, I just want to share that. Like, it wasn't until I, I always felt like I gave up at things, but I, I found myself in the home and it was food and design. It was never one. They always happened together in tandem. And the and entertaining is where the two of those things came together. So I would lure people to my home for these like beautiful dinner parties where I would set the lighting and the music and the candles and, you know, the flowers and create the meal. And like, that's where I swing was born. It was like around my dinner table because I needed something to feel good about myself and to give myself purpose and passion. So I guess I just want to say that when I started iSoon, I was like, I know that this sounds crazy, like a little bit of food and a little bit of design because they feel so fragmented and they felt a little fragmented to me too, but the home was the umbrella that made them made sense. And the reason I'm sharing this is because when, I, when Instagram first started, I think it was like almost one of my first or second posts and I want to go back and find it. I remember somebody saying to me in a comment when I had all of like, you know, 150 followers, like, I love that you represent being more than one thing. Mm -hmm. You could be a mom, and you can dip into the fashion here and there. And you could be in two interiors, and you can love, you know, cooking food and creating recipes. And something just clicked in that moment for me that like, yes, it might seem a little chaotic that I'm a bunch of different things but like it makes sense for me and it wasn't until I leaned into me that I found me
1: Yeah,
2: and that's the advice I would give like you know and it's the advice I give when people say to me like oh should I I love this chair but it doesn't go with my home the chair goes in your home, even if it doesn't "quote unquote" go with your home. If it makes you happy, just do you and like see where it goes. Like I didn't know where I swim would lead. I didn't know if it would ever just be a money pit of me, like you know, making these recipes that nobody's even seeing or setting these tables that nobody's ever going to, you know, see the value in. But like it, it fed my joy, and mm-hmm. I. F- think that it's so important to just find what, what it is that you love, even if
1: it doesn't make sense on paper. Would you say that some good advice to someone looking to whether it's work for themselves or, or, or find a kind of creative outlet to start with what you love and not judge it? Because I do think that, you know, we all have self-judgment and, and you also have very good friends that I think helped you like release the self-judgment and say things like just do you. And New York mm-hmm. is also an amazing community for that. I think that's why so many people run away to New York city. I I, I don't think that I could have been a poet anywhere else. I, I certainly don't think I could have in new Orleans, but would you say that to release the judgment and, and just start by giving time to what you love, you know? I think it's essential to give time to what you love. And I think it's essential to know that fear
2: is going to come up yeah. and that doubt is going to come up and that you've got to do you anyway, like however you can, whenever you can, there's always time to explore yourself. There's always time to take a moment to breathe. There's always time to take a moment to, to create, you know, whether it's on nights or weekends or whenever it is like, just like cobble together little moments where you really tap into that joy.
1: Well, and because I, I do think the distinction is, you know, not necessarily saying like, do what you love, but give time to what you love and start there. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is so helpful for young, whether it's future founders or be, especially female entrepreneurs is starting by just carving out that time. Like you're saying to say like, this is what I love to do. And it at least deserves my time because my time is my life in my life mm-hmm. should at least have some access to connecting with something I thoroughly enjoy. And I feel that was the birth of ice Woon. It wasn't like, you know, I think, especially in today's culture, everything is like, Oh, I've got to start a business or like, Hey, it's like, it's a, and you're like, actually, if you can just start by like giving it your time in some way, five minutes a day, 20 mm-hmm. minutes a day, an hour every weekend, whether that's the research, whether that's the actual act, whether it's a painting, whether it's the, you know, getting on your ceramics wheel, whatever it might be. Do you agree that that's kind of like the starting place is like just even the time, you know, not One the business plan or the. I, no, I, no.
2: If I, if I tried to write a business plan for I spoon, like, I, I mean, I wouldn't have known. I mean, I have learned so so much along the way, like, even now I'm at this point of inflection where like, I'm beginning to expand the business and grow the business. I, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm like trying to dedicate the time to understanding it more, but you can't do something just because you think that that is going to, what's going to, is going to be, what's going to make you successful or what's going to make you be seen or what's going to make you money. Like that's not going to do it. What's going to do it is what gives you the joy and what you're going to enjoy dedicating time to.
1: What is the moment in which you felt success? Was the success in finding like your first day where you did a full work day at Moon and just felt the joy of putting it in before you even made the dollar? Was the success point of feeling success the day you signed your crate and barrel contract, which is like, I know is something you manifested for so many years. Are there layers to success? Because I feel that you have- completely and utterly found success outside of the rule book. I'm just in awe of what this journey of i Swim has taken me, but
2: I guess I'll share like one experience was like when I first, when I signed my first book deal, it was such a moment of like, you know, there's going to be something out in the world that no matter what this thing is that I've created, like this will live on forever. And when I got my advance from my book, and it was a cookbook, the first one, I signed up for culinary school. And I was like, I got here on my own. I got here out of pure passion and grit. And I had no idea how to write a proper recipe, but I figured it out and I know I know flavor. And like, there was like, I love to lean into this like unknown. And then all of a sudden, you know, like Mm -hmm. that to me is success. And my like pat on the back was, you know what, you take that and don't go on vacation, but like, go learn more,
1: yeah. go
2: to culinary school, go like celebrate you even further. You know, what's the most interesting about this, Clio, when I went through culinary school, I realized I knew more than I ever gave myself credit for
1: mm. I, self,
2: I I taught myself more out of just pure grit and passion than going to some fancy school. Wow. I'm still glad that I did it. But, you know, it's just a reminder that, like, whatever the thing you tell yourself, because I always have this thing where it's like everyone else has it figured out, not like not enough. Like, you are enough. You could do the work. You could teach yourself. You could lean into your passion. You can carve out that time and you can get there on your own. I mean, yeah, it was great that I had this like check in after going to culinary
1: school, but like, It felt that to me felt like a big win. So do you think you felt success once you could be your own validator? Because I thought the story that you were about to say, I thought the ending to the story was like, when I signed the deal for my first book, I felt the success, but it was actually in the moments after when you go into the cooking school and you realize like, I actually know this and I got this and I'm, I'm worthy I, I actually have determined I'm worthy without even the book deal or the cooking class. I am good at what I do. I have a point of view and it's worthy of me following this trail. But isn't that success? Is yeah. outward praise yeah. success? It's not. No. What what
2: makes each of us feel whole is not going to come from exterior praise. It's not going to come from winning the James Beard Award or for a bestseller book. It's going to come internal. Yeah. So, like that that was a big, and and the Crate and Barrel deal, yes, was big. But seeing the pieces that I designed in people's homes Mm. and knowing that they will live on in their homes and that their kids will play with their matchbox cars, like maybe on the edge of a piece of furniture that I designed, like that feels unbelievable. It's been incredible. Like the whole journey, even on social media, like I've gotten to like connect with this like beautiful community who has in a way also like helped push me along, tell me what they love. And I've been able to then, you know, design from a place of knowing what is holding people's hearts and what is gaining responsiveness.
1: Yeah, it is interesting because I think sometimes people look at social platforms as a platform, which is like a stage, which is something that you're up here and you're speaking down. Yeah,
0: and it's you're a certainly
1: someone who has kind of like, no, I'm going to stand right next to you. And if I'm doing the thing, we can talk about the thing as I do it, which I think is so beautiful and so unique. And I think you were also one of the first people who really did that. And it wasn't like, oh, here's just where I show, you know, I think if anyone clicks on a single photo you ever post, you'll see below in the comments that you've responded to like 30% of the people who say anything or have a question and you'll answer. And I, by the way, I'm one of them. I'll be like, wait, what was that paint color? What was that thing? (laughs) so transparency is really important to me like sharing transparency
2: also like i don't do it alone like i always will want to credit stylists and photographers and producers or anyone that helps me get to this like pretty beautiful picture it's like you know it doesn't happen on your own and like ask for help because
1: it's so important especially when you're growing a business one more thing is i I've heard you just say the word feeling a lot as you spoke about pretty much everything you've done, whether it's how you've made a business decision, how you've created a room, how you've created a meal, how you hosted a dinner party and this idea. And, And it's true because so much of even how people remember their childhoods is like the feeling they have when they walked in the house and they smelled the food or the music that was always on. I could tell you every song that both of my parents listened to my entire childhood because they were such a critical part of my you know, the feelings of, of home for me. What are the kind of sensory things? Say you're blending your family and you're meeting your partner's kids for the first time, and you're, you want to create a sense of home, you know, what are some of the things that sensory wise that, or what can we do to kind of get the feeling of the cozy nest? You know, Mm. if you're having Something special is happening. It's your partner's big birthday or the in-laws are meeting or, you know, in these moments where like home needs to be home more than anything else, like the vibe has to be good. Like what song is on when they're walking in the door? What smell is in the air? Is it, is it a scent? Is it a chicken roasting? What is it?
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think like if there were three things that really
2: like brought a sense of home for me, I would probably say one would be like the scent of a home but i'm not necessarily the scent from burning a candle but like you know when you walk into somebody's home and or you know when my son is in his room and he comes out and i'm cooking and so says like oh my god that smells so good right like create like no one thing in your back pocket like no one dish no one cooking technique technique maybe it's like a whole roasted chicken. It's mm-hmm. so easy. It's a one pot meal that I was intimidated to make until, like, I developed it for my cookbook, Cook Beautiful. But like, know that one dish that, like, if you're in-laws or you know, or blending a family and you're meeting yeah. the kids for the first time, like, know that one meal that feels like home, that smells like home, that like is not too stressful as well. So like, maybe it's a whole roasted chicken. So like, know one meal that you can just like make with your eyes closed and know that it's like a home run yeah that's that's number 1 i think number 2 is somehow bring nature into your home however mm-hmm. it may be it could be flowers it could be a branch it could be a rock that you collected on the beach it could be a fallen dried branch in winter that just has a beautiful sculptural quality but like bring something from the outside in that just like mm-hmm. is like touches nature and then to me like something that really feels like home in some way like you're right about me being really connected to feeling because I think that I'm in the business of feeling like whether you walk in to a dinner party or you're in the kitchen with your parents around the table or whether you just walk into somebody's home, you want that person to feel Mm -hmm. right. And like the only way, like, I don't know, sometimes I walk into a space and I can't really pinpoint it, but like suddenly I just feel calm or relaxed or curious. And I really believe that like, having pieces in your home that tell your story, that have a soul, whether it's like a broken vase that you, you know, got in Thailand, or whether it's like a clock that was your great grandmother's, like the things that you choose to live with, they actually speak to your home. They like give your home that cozy vibe. So like, just make sure you think you live with things that tell your story, that have meaning, And it's why, like, I never want anyone to just go buy my crate and barrel line. Like, sure, buy, like, the sideboard from my line. But, like, pair it with something that, like, is a family heirloom or, you know, something from a memory or a trip. And, you know, music, music just, like, you're right. Like, scent and music are, like, the biggest triggers of memories. I remember for a while, like, we just, we weren't, like, playing music in our home and like Victor mm. and I made like a conscious effort which is crazy because he's like yeah, it, you course. know that's a music the producer and a DJ <laughs> <laughs> I know but like that's such a vibe it's such like an energy when like you know there's just music around and and it just raises the spirit so yeah food beautiful things that tell your story something from nature and sound that you connect to
1: Athena I want to thank you so much this has been such a beautiful conversation as I knew it would. And also I think it's going to be so helpful to so many people because I think so many people are looking to take the risk to try the thing that they love doing, or at least being able to give it time. And it's a unique thing. And it's a idea that other people are calling a crazy idea. And I think you're someone who took a crazy idea and turned it into a universe. And and I think it's going to inspire a lot of people. Thank you so much. Well, thank
2: you. So many people told me to like pick a lane and choose one thing and that I wouldn't find success until I chose one thing. And I really think it's important for people to embrace all facets of themselves and all sides of themselves. And even if it doesn't make sense, like if it's what brings you your truest happiness, like be many things and you will find yourself.
1: Thank you for listening to my chat with Athena Calderon. For more from Athena, be sure to head over to iSwoon.com where you can shop Athena's personal curation of beautiful home objects. That's i-swoon.com. Thanks for tuning in. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13 Studios. I hope you'll listen, follow, rate, and review all of our episodes, which are available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening to the Goop Podcast.